Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey DeGreek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, as some of you have learned today. <laughs> I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey DeGreek, at Jeffrey DeGreek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast, even if apparently we don't talk about your team as much as you would like that we did talk about your team. Uh, and what Jordan and I are both kind of referencing here is uh, there there are fiery individuals on Twitter yesterday, last night, and yet into the day this morning as, as Jordan and I record this uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, I, I basically said... There's essentially four uh, uh, fan bases that are happy or pretty happy. The other 10 are either some form of just relieved or just outright pissed. Um, anyways, it's testy out there today. That, which is, it's not a completely crazy statement. Like, yeah. it's really not. But you would have thought that you just set the whole world on fire because there are some fan bases that just apparently cannot comprehend that statement. Yeah. Um, and we'll obviously we'll kind of get through some of these <laughs> by talking about the games. Then we'll do the power rankings at the end. I'm not saying we're going to talk about it for 15 minutes because I don't think anybody wants to hear that. Uh, but we'll kind of get into it after that, because the way these games, you know, went obviously folds into the power rankings, uh, which is just a mess because that's what this weekend was. It was it was kind of messy. Um so I've got two brothers, uh, obviously a run on Jeffrey the Greek, which, you know, I'm not Greek, obviously. Um, and and my middle brother, he dubbed himself Darren the American. And his ultimate, uh, his ultimate quote is winning is the greatest deodorant, right? I don't, we, he might have to abridge that and say, like, what's losing? You know, the ultimate stink bomb. I, I don't know, or maybe it's the ultimate body odor. I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure what it is, but boy, did we get some of that where it seemed like the anger felt by the fan base that lost very much usurped the j- enjoyment that the fan base that won derived from the game. Is that fair, fair enough said? I don't think you could have said it any better. <laughs> that perfectly encompasses like 95% of what we saw yesterday. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into those games. There was nine Big Ten games this week, and our first one up was on Friday, September 22nd. Wisconsin 38, Purdue 17. The Badgers with 388 yards of total offense to the Boilermakers, 396. Before we get into uh, the the breakdown, prayers up for Ches Malusi, or as we have affectionately called him on the Eyes on Big podcast, Che Louis, as dubbed by Kurt. Um, he's done. His uh, Badger career is over. I can't imagine, you know, he'll play running back again. And h- horrible way, you know, for a guy's career to go down. And anyways, we just wanted to mention that bad, bad stuff for Jay Louis. Yeah, I, those those type of injuries, I can't even bring myself to rewatch them. Some people yeah. like to share that. And they there's a deep, dark place in hell for those people that like to share those because it just makes my stomach turn. Feel for the wow. kid. He's been a staple in that program and a great player. You just hope he can heal up and maybe yep. get a shot somewhere sometime. So, Yep. Uh, and then breaking down the game, starting with the Badgers. I think it's fair to say the Badgers were essentially in control of this game. Uh, there maybe was times where we thought Purdue could get back into the game. They were kind of showing flash, flashes. Um, I took the over. It hit on that two-point conversion, by the way. But yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah, it was like this game was about, I don't know, 75% of what I expected with that missing 25% being I thought Purdue would put up more points and just overall look better, but they didn't. And because of that, Wisconsin cruises to an to an easy victory. Yeah, I think at one point during the game, we were texting each other and I said, didn't we mention on the podcast that these two teams just kept shooting themselves and the, the Purdue team kept shooting themselves in the foot? I thought they ran out of feet, but apparently they found more because this that just kept happening over and over and over again. But mostly Purdue. 
mostly Purdue. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was talking about with yeah. Purdue. It just seemed like Wisconsin just kept, kept finding a way to, to force another turnover or create another mistake, and Purdue just kept handing it to them and giving yep. them more options. Yep. And give Wisconsin credit. I mean, for the most part, they they the mistakes that were handed to them, they they took advantage of them. Um, overall, I would say the stats, I mean, pretty good. Team rushing, 43 carries, 195 yards. That's a 4.5-yard average. Braylon Allen, I don't know. I I I found myself defending Braylon Allen on a on a on a podcast I got um invited on to. Shout out to Big Ten Ted. That was fun. And then also on Twitter, I've seen the same thing. I knew I know what Ted was talking about is that a lot of people were talking about Braylon Allen maybe not fitting the offense. Well, he better fit the offense now because he's going to be the only, you know, he's he's obviously the number one and two option in the rushing attack. 16 carries, 116 yards, two touchdowns with a 7.3-yard average. So he looked good. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, 17 to 27, 174 yards. No touchdowns, one pick, but he did have two touchdowns on the ground. I don't know, they're just – they're. Wisconsin still is figuring out what they are, but they are piecing it together a little bit more often than we maybe saw the first, you know, couple games. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're they're starting to become an identity. They they want to run the ball still. It's not the traditional air raid in the sense that we're going to throw it forty times. They still want to run the ball. It's just not the feature. I still think they're better off when it, their running ball is the feature. Now, obviously, it takes a little bit of a hurt a hit, like we said with Che Louie out, but you still have a damn good running back in Braylon Allen, a damn yes. good running back. And if Mordecai shows the mobility that he showed and he can add a small component to this running game, now you just become equally as balanced, and that opens up their passing game to be more of that aired out team that they that this offense traditionally is. So yeah. I think they're starting – to get that identity. It's starting to take shape. They got some yeah. tough defenses coming up. We'll find out yep. if it keeps molding or if maybe they revert to some old habits here in the future. Um, and then what, how I would add to that is uh, I think Mordecai literally learned in this game, the smarter way to run. He was like sliding too early and like, yeah. giving up a fail. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I and did then, see it a couple of times. Yeah. You know, but he got like better as the game went on. And then speaking of defenses, yeah, they're, they're going to face better defenses than this one because I don't know. This might be the worst defense in, in the Big Ten. Uh, Purdue, the, uh, the, they just, you know, they're not, they're hardly busting a grape in a fruit fight uh, on defense. Yeah, Ryan Walter just definitely got his work cut out for him to get this defense yeah. up to any kind of standard, what he showed at Illinois. So, and they lost guys in this game and yeah. were losing guys as it went. With that being said, team rushing 194 yards, 6.3 yard average. I mean, they ran yeah. the ball in Hudson Card's stats aren't. The, the completion percentage, 21 to 38 for 202 yards, not bad, but two picks. And and so, like, you know, I thought a lot of people would get to see Hudson card. That wasn't Hudson. That wasn't, you know, prime Hudson card right there. He he kind of struggled. But credit to Wisconsin's defense, they are coming up with turnovers. That is their number one way to get other teams off the field. Yeah, I think I texted you also during this. I said it feels like Hudson card is just doesn't know what to do with himself right now because he was about the only player, it seemed like, in the moment that yeah. – was doing anything, but he was running for his life or trying to force a throw. Like it, the offense is there, there's spurts of it where it's good, but I think it's just this defense not helping at all. It's the it's the reverse effect in the Big yeah. Ten West right now for Purdue. Most of the Big Ten West teams, their defenses are really good and they're on the field for so long they get tired. Well, this is the opposite effect where the Purdue defense is so bad. This offense has to make yes. all these plays and try to make up all this ground and they just don't have the horses to play that style yet, but they're still very good. They're making good plays. There's good you players. Said, There's good yeah, players. Um, Deion Burks, and, Tyrone Tracy, yep, both. Yep. And I've never played the quarterback position. I've just seen it up close. My guess is you 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 want to make plays for your team and maybe try a little too hard. And I think that's what you got with Hudson Card a little bit. And that's why you see him forcing the ball. But in the end, uh, not quite the game I was expecting. I thought Purdue would punch the ball in a couple more times, but they didn't. And Wisconsin gets the win, and that gets them to 3-1 and one with the loss. Purdue drops all the way to 1-3. and three. All right, eight games on Saturday, September 23rd. First game up, Michigan 31, Rutgers 7. The Wolverines with 415 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights, 257. Uh, Rutgers popped that big play. We had a D back fall down, and just like that, Rutgers is up 
seven to nothing. I sent a text to Jordan and I joked because my score prediction for this game was 30 to seven. And I joked to Jordan, Jordan could confirm this. And I said, you watch the score will probably still wind up 30 to seven. As I predicted, it wound up 31 to seven. I was kind of half joking when I said it, but as it turns out, that's exactly how it went down. Well, my score prediction was 31-10. I, I thought for sure Rutgers was going to kick a field goal down in one of those chances, and I would have been right on the money. So I we were both right in the that. ballpark on this. I forgot about that. Uh, what's your overall thoughts on the game? Uh, Rutgers, I still am impressed with I, Rutgers. I, I am too. I think it's a good team. I think you're seeing Gavin Wimsett really, really grow as the year goes on. I mean, he made some throws in this game where I was like, eh, probably shouldn't throw that ball. But then he made some throws where it was like, oh. That's a damn good throw in a, in a tough spot. He fit a couple windows where it was just that's just a good play. Doesn't matter what you do defensively, you're not you're not going to stop that. So my overall impression of Rutgers is I'm I'm impressed. They're getting better. This is a home run bowl team in my opinion. Yeah, and this team right now as it sits to me is closer to fourth in the East than it is to last. Oh, absolutely. Like there's a yeah. Like they they are they are in a puncher's fight for that fourth place spot right now. And if Wimsett keeps developing, like on the like you, you can see it, he's, he's plotting. You know, he's go, he's going from east or from left to right and up. You know, and it, it's it's going well. If he keeps going that way, he is going to be a major problem. Like as a Michigan guy, you might be happy you got him when you did. And the defense is darn good too. They made Michigan work for it. With that being said, as a you know, mostly neutral Big Ten fan, not a Michigan fan is what I'm getting at. In my opinion, this was the best Blake Corum looked all year. Um, uh, 21 carries, 97 yards. I know it's only a, only a 4.6 yard average, but I, we both think that's a pretty good Rutgers defense. Would you agree Corum looked like he was making quick, more decisive cuts on Saturday? Yeah, I think he's starting to feel more and more confident in that knee. I think there was just that hesitancy. We've all, everybody's kind of seen it. It looked, he looked tentative. I think that's gone. I think he's, he doesn't seem as quick. doesn't seem as bursty as he has, but that could be added weight that he's put on too. But he definitely looks, this was definitely the most, most comparable to last season that he has. Yeah. Looked that's very well played. Very well played. Um, JJ McCarthy came out just a little off. They good job by Harbaugh and and Sharon. They got him settled down with some easy kind of passes. Then he looked pretty good from there. I mean, 15 to 21, 214 yards, just one touchdown, no pick. But he added uh, 51 yards on the ground at a 7.3 yard average. Um, I I think Jordan, if I could articulate for non-Michigan fans, um, we believe Michigan fans have talked to JJ up a lot. So we then believe we want to see Jordan or to see Jordan, to see JJ with amazing stat lines, you know, 300 yards, three touchdowns type of deal. Do you understand that sort of critique outside view on the situation? 100% because I, I want to see those stat lines too. That would be great. The one thing I would say with like this game in particular is early on in that game when this was a very close game and it turned on at one point, but if you look at the Michigan offense, when this game was close, when it was when they were down seven nothing, and when it was seven seven, when it was close, the offensive play calling was a little bit different. There was a little bit more aggression. There was a little the JJ's legs were activated and he was running the ball. Then, as the game started to get out of hand, you started to see it go more cookie cutter. That to me was the most reassuring sign as a Michigan fan that I've seen of anything all yep. year at the offense yep. because it showed that we okay we know this game's a fight and we need to get this game in hand and then we'll turn it off. So that was good to see. So I think those days where those numbers that we want to see, I think they're coming. They're just it, they're not going to do it if they don't have to. And it could be a crazy thing where the level of competition goes up, the numbers go up. I know that probably is the opposite, but I, I don't completely disagree. Possible. Yep. Um, by the way, Colson Loveland, I mean, second year playing, that dude just gets better and better, five catches, 75 yards. Yeah, but in the end, Rutgers uh, – they got, they couldn't they couldn't do much on offense except for Christian Dremel, who bore a hole in Michigan's defense. But it was <laughs> 70 yards. But our guy, the fun guy, Calvin guy, he had nowhere to go. Michigan's defense has gone nowhere this year, other than you know, a slip or a fall every now and then. So I think in the end, it it didn't have the start that we thought, but pretty much the 
the second, third, and fourth act all pretty much looked like we thought it was. And with that being said, Michigan moves to four and zero with the loss. Rutgers drops to three and one, but a three and one, I would think their fans would feel pretty good about. All right, our first candidate for the uninspiring effort of the week next up goes to <laughs> the Illinois Fighting Illini twenty three FAU seventeen. The Illini with 510 yards of total offense. Okay. To the Owls, 353. Jordan and I both had Illinois as our Amador Double Barrel Lock of the Week, which means we both didn't hit it. Um, Illinois was definitely the better team. They just were not interested in taking control of this game and putting it away. It was frustrating. Like, it was just frustrating for Jordan and I, I'm sure for Kurt and you know, big dog and all the other Illinois guys, Kingfisher, it was probably even more frustrating. Yeah. I mean, even if you didn't watch this game and you just look at the box score of it, it's maddening to see that this mm-hmm. game was this close. Like yep. there, there wasn't a facet of this game where I felt like Illinois wasn't the better team, the stronger team, the more athletic team, but it's like, they just played with their food the whole game. Yeah. And it, this game should never have been this butt clenchy, but it was down late in this game. There was a shot for them for the Owls to take the lead in this game, which is just mind-blowing with how how the game actually played out on the field. It was it was it maddening was... for me because I actually had some real shekels on it. Right. And it cost me, me. So that was really pissing me off. And then we lose the lock of the week with it. Oh, this, this yeah. Illinois team is just becoming frustrating as all get out for the whole season. Yeah. By the way, um, I'm my own worst enemy for over-predicting Illinois, but you've been warning me about them all year long, and then you turn around and take them for your life. I bit the apple. I bit the apple. Oh, by the way, so adding hilarity to it was Daniel Richardson, their quarterback, 28 of 49, 256 yards. He's a belly full of fun, that guy. That's a Pillsbury throw boy if I've ever seen one right there. (laughs) Oh man, poor guy. I hope he hope he doesn't know we're just out here in a Big Ten podcast just ripping on the guy. But dude, he balled out. That guy's got <laughs> that guy's got moxie, man. He played his ass off. He did. Uh, Luke yeah. Altmeyer definitely looked better. Twenty-five to thirty-six, three hundred three yards, a touchdown, no picks. Your guy, you've been looking for him to get Isaiah Williams in. He had a great game. He catches one hundred twenty yards. Team rushing two hundred seven yards on a five point. I mean, the stat line is it just doesn't make sense. What we thought it would be. It sometimes with gambling and how this stuff goes, you are correct. But you lose the bet. In my yep. opinion, that's that's what we have here. Um, Illinois fans have the right to feel frustrated. This is one of the fan bases that like their enjoyment and their frustration that they derive from this game are probably about equal. But you, at, at least you got to be happy you walk away with the win, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, I agree. And you know, we saw the defense at times look really good and elite yep. and control the game. I think the defense is starting to feel the same way all of us fans were. They're like, okay, we're really in control of this game. I'm really sick and tired of kind of doing, oh, shit, they just busted another play. Now I got to play hard again. I really, yep. really think that's what was happening with this that defense. Was. That was. Most of the game it felt like, yep, they had it controlled. Everything's bottled up. Then all of a sudden there'd be one drive where it's just like, oh, nope, here's a big play. Here's a big play. Oh, I think and that's, Bert's, Be- Beatles got to be happy to just get this game over with yeah. and try to start a new one. And as far as an explanation, I think that's what you get when you have a shuffled around uh, 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 secondary, because that's where you you can bust plays both, you know, pass and obviously pass, but also run. So I think that's what you're seeing, which makes perfect sense because of all the studs they lost in the NFL. But in the end, you get the victory. Illinois moves to two and two with some easier games uh, uh, in, in front of them to see if they can get some momentum going. Next game up, Maryland 31 Michigan State, nine. The Terps with 362 yards of total offense to the Spartans, 376. Hey, Maryland fans, we will talk about you in a second, but I want—I I, I feel like I'm going to forget if I don't start out with this. I, I put a lot of this ugliness that we saw out of Michigan State on Maryland. Okay, Maryland, is a, they are an attacking offense and defense. They're... They are going to come right at you and expect you to keep up or adjust or whatever. Hyper aggressive. Yep. Michigan State did a horrible job of doing that. Okay. I thought their play calling was pretty bad. Um, I didn't believe they put Noah Kim in situations that were advantageous for Noah Kim. And I believe they just forgot to run the ball. Like it, 
I, I sense frustration from Sparty fans. I support their frustration. It was just, especially at home, you know, like, like show up. And, and again, Maryland had a lot to do with that, but I feel as a Sparty fan, they've got reasons to complain. I knew early on in that game on that, that goal line play fourth, it was a fourth and one at the, at the one yard line. And they ran like a, I think it was a stretch zone. I'm not even sure what it was, but it was the slowest developing run it play was. for a fourth and goal play that I've ever seen. I'm like, in that moment, I'm like, this is, this is not going to work. Like if this is what you're, if this is what you think your bread and butter is, you're done for this game is toast. You're going to get absolutely slaughtered. And eventually that's ended up happening. I mean, you have Nathan Carter. He goes 19 carries for 97 yards, but it just felt like everything he did was a struggle and a fight to get any of that because he wasn't being, like you said, he wasn't being put in good places. Yep. And, um, uh, uh, was, uh, Kate, uh, they took Noah Kim out, put Kate and Hauser in. I think for most, uh, Michigan state fans, it was a series or two too late. He didn't look any better when he went in either, but in the end, five turnovers, Five turnovers out of Michigan State. They were they were a week late in the turnover game for the Big Ten. They yeah. had their turnover game this week instead of last well, week. Well, we, we got another team that did the same thing. Uh, but switching over to the other side, Leotunga Viola came out dealing. 21 to 35, 223 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. We had been warning Maryland to not get off to a slow start because it's the Big Ten conference. You know, the game's coming around. They 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 certainly had that on their bulletin board. They came out. Hot. Uh, um, and Leo also five carries, 37 yards, a touchdown on the ground. He went into the medical uh, tent. That's, I feel like that guy goes in there too much. You yeah, know, he's, like, he's got, he's got real estate in there. That's, yes. Yeah, he does. But I think he came back out. I think it seemed like it was like his left shoulder, which isn't his throwing shoulder. But, anyways, um, certainly if Maryland comes out hot, they're, they're a tough team to beat like that. And, one of the things I had in my head as I was watching the game is one thing that I understand for Maryland fans getting frustrated is that they believe, you know, they get disrespected along the lines. Um, I, I, their own, their own line and D line. And I would say, especially their O line, it's better than what you think like like i i think sometimes opposing fan bases think they're just going to shred this front seven and just destroy the old line they're playing better than people realize this is where michigan state needed like a distinct advantage they didn't have it i thought maryland's front seven and old line looked just fine yep i agree we i've had i've been probably the biggest critic of that saying i you know i want to see it i want to see it in this offensive line this was a good game. I mean, we had a Michigan State team that was supremely banged up. So what do you do in that situation? Well, you should own the game. You should control the game. Your offensive line should own the game. And they did that. They did. So that's credit to Maryland. That's exactly what, if you want to be this team, if you want to be the, the big three up in that in that echelon, these are games that you have to have. So that's exactly this is what we needed to see from Maryland. And, you know, Locke said the same thing after the game. He said, you know, I was really disappointed with our slow starts recently, and I'm glad to see that we didn't do that. So it's not just us that's saying it. It's recognized, like you said. It's been talked about. So that's good. That's good progress. I will say the defensive tests are going to get tougher. Yeah. They haven't played some of the greatest defenses. So we'll see what this offense does with some of these defenses they have coming down the road. But still, uh, some Maryland fans were a little bit nervous for the rushing attack. 139 yards on 31 carries. That's a 4.5-yard average. Colby McDonald, I thought, was the hot hand. In this game, really gave him a spark rushing uh, the ball. And on defense, three sacks, three TFLs. Um, overall, I would say all the things that Maryland wanted to accomplish going into East Lansing, they accomplished it, got out of there with the win. And with that win, Maryland moves to 4-0. With the loss, Sparty drops to 2-2. Two and two. The Eyes on Big Podcast sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game days. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Keep it on in the afternoon. Nebraska 28, La Tech 14. I'm sorry, I, I, I got to... 
I got to break my arm patting myself on my own back. I predicted 28 to 14 in this game. It's not often that you want you spot spot on predict the score. So I, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it out loud. Uh, the Huskers with 419 yards of total offense to the Bulldogs, 338. Um, tense moments in this game for for uh, uh, Nebraska fans. 7-7 at halftime with Nebraska missing a chip shot field goal. There was a lightning delay adding to the tenseness and longness and, you know, the duration of this game. In the end, though, uh, you know, Nebraska took control in the second half and they took control with running the ball. Yep. I would hey, I'd just like to point out that missed chip shot field goal cost me because I had 31 13. They make the chip <laughs> shot field goal and I miss it by a point. So I was in the ballpark too. Man, we were close on a bunch of your, a couple your of field points. goal that was good for you was bad for me. So holy cow. All right. Yeah. Um Nebraska it's still it's this it's the same things. The defense is playing well. There yep. was some moments in this game where it was like, eh, okay, I don't like that. But all together, all in all, I, I was pleased with what I saw from the defense. I think it's still an extremely good unit. Oh, yeah. That's going to keep them in a lot of these Big Ten West games. I mean, we've already said it a few times. A lot of these Big Ten West offenses are struggling to find who they are and do anything. So if you have a good defense, it's going to keep you in all these games going forward. And there's, yeah. there's no reason Nebraska's defense can't do that going forward. It's like if you compare Colorado, Oregon, oof, holy cow, Oregon <laughs> just, they, they, they took out. What did you think of the speech, by the way? They go for clicks and we go for the wins. Oh, well, I mean, it's not, not wrong. Oh, God, that was good. I mean, sometimes those good on Dan Lanning. He put oh, the quiet boy. part out loud. But. <laughs> um, and what I was going to say is Oregon's got a pretty good defense, too. Or like Nebraska's defense did to Colorado what Oregon's defense did to Colorado. The difference, obviously, is Oregon is just so explosive on offense, but I mean all of that as a credit to Nebraska's defense. If their offense can continue to find something, it's just going to make this team better and better. But the Bulldogs only rushed 21 times for 46 yards. The issue is Jack Turner, 292 yards through the air. Um, I mean, he he found spots in that back seven to throw the ball. We'll see if that's something that, you know, is put on film that other teams in their schedule can do something with. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't have as good of eyes on this as I would hope because I was really pissed off at Illinois and watching a lot of that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. But it's what it's like I said though, a little bit. I think there's just some leakiness in there. Yeah, and a tackling few like a, lot of, that, it, a lot yeah, of it. It's tackling. a it's a yep. good it's a good teaching film. This is this is it a is. film where you don't flush it. This is when we say, look at this. We did this. Why did this happen? So yep. this this is a good film for that. But my guy. We got to yep. touch on we we may have a quarterback controversy in Lincoln if Jeff I, Sims is healthy. I don't even think it's controversy. I I you think you, it's you, you think it's Harburg's job now, right? I, absolutely. I, I mean, I could come up with like yeah. three different reasons. Number one, they they've won the two games he started in. Number two, he's not turning the ball over. And number yep. three, number th- four, I got four. Number three is a Nebraska kid, and number four, he's young which means if you start developing him, then that's your quarterback that you can, can have for the next guy. year or two. I, I don't even think it's up for debate. And, and, and I'll if, be very interested to see. if, if We're going to find out a lot about what Matt Rule wants to do. If he decide, if he goes back to Jeff Sims when he's healthy, I think you could have an uprising in Lincoln. I agree. Now, the thing that coaches – because Rule is a guy that coaches by – you know, he, he wants to be a man of his word. That's, that's what I feel out of Rule – if he promised Jeff Sims something, I don't know. That's the only thing I can get to, you know, like quick way to lose the locker room. I hear you there. Uh, Heinrich Harburg stats, eight, eight of 17 for 179 or 107 yards passing one touchdown, no pick, but that's not how they're getting it done. They're getting it done on the ground. He had 19 carries 157 yards, including a 72 yard touchdown where the big white boy was pulling away from people and of course nebraska he fans was, he was never, moving he dude, was yeah, moving. apparently he, and he's like six four six five apparently he ran like a 10 9 in high school wow. if, you, if you run a 10 900 you're picking him up and putting him down team rushing 48 carries 312 yards 6.5 yard average long story short if you are a defense that can't get up and force ne- nebraska into third and longs they will they will just keep running the ball and eat you up. And that's obviously what they did against the Bulldogs. That has to make Nebraska fans happy too. 
I mean, they've been I mean, begging for run the damn ball for how long? And, and the thing is, this 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 is getting darn close to 80s and 90s Nebraska. Offenses. We'll see. We'll see. Now next week, because Michigan comes sure. into comes into Lincoln yeah. next next Not week. A good matchup. We've, for, for, we've for, all for, agreed that Michigan's defense has been extremely good. This will be a real test to see what this yes. what this offense if they can do anything because we we yeah. know that the Michigan defense is going to stop the run. So I'm taking the under. I know that much right now. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's Michigan unders are just a thing now. Yeah, man. With the win, Nebraska moves to 500 in this two and two. Next game, Jordan. I haven't seen a beating like this since somebody put a banana down my pants and let a monkey loose. Hmm. Penn wow. State 31, Iowa zero. The Nittany Lions with 397 yards of total offense to the Hawkeyes, 76. Iowa, first time being shut out since 2000. Jordan, look at me right now. See this old guy sitting across the screen from you? This guy was playing football at Iowa the last time we got shut out, to give you an idea. Iowa ran 33 plays to Penn State's 97. It was... Bad. It was bad if you were a, if you were a Hawkeye fan. Um, let's start with Penn State though before we you know go into Iowa. Dude, Drew Aller was the truth on Saturday night. I everything that he was asked to do, he did, and then some. Iowa needed him to make a mistake. He didn't even like hint at a mistake. Uh, Twenty five of thirty seven, four touchdowns. That dude look that I don't I to me that's the best game Drew Aller has had since he's been at Penn State. Is that that a fair assessment? Well, and that was that was my one question with him. You know, I said if Iowa was gonna win this game, they needed to have Drew Aller make a mistake because that's what this defense likes to do. They like to try to trick a young guy into mistakes. He didn't do it. No. He did not, like you said, not only did he not do it, he didn't even show that there was a chance he was gonna do it. You know, 25 completions, only 166 yards, but that's exactly what you do to yes. an Iowa defense. 100%. You keep the offense on schedule and you let your athletes be athletes and just don't make the big mistake. He looks poised. He looks composed. He looks comfortable. That's dangerous for the rest of the season. This oh, yeah. line offense looks damn good. That was a starting huge... to see a little bit in the receiving game. Ooh, yep. I'd like yep. a little bit more to make me feel a little more comfortable, but it's all starting to come into shape. Yeah, for that but if you offense. if you can put up those passing yards against an Iowa secondary and defense, you can do it against I would say almost anybody. Real quick, by the way, you tell me if I'm off or or, or not. But as far as a quarterback comp comparison, I don't know, man. Eller looks a lot like Andrew Luck to me. Hmm. Like maybe athletic- not quite the maybe not quite the mobile threat that Luck was. Luck was he was very opportunistic with his. Okay. He found some really nice windows to pull the ball down and run at times. But as far as the what he does mm. with the fo- throwing the football, I definitely see that. Okay, I think Eller could do more of that if he wanted to. I just don't think there was a need. Um, oh, I team rushing that, that could very well be too. Yeah, or at least not Saturday night. Team rushing fifty-seven carries, two hundred fifteen. Yards, 3.8 yard average. So they weren't exactly, you know, gouging Iowa, but they just wore them down. Well, they ran it 57 times. Right. And that's still threw lot. the ball 37 times. I mean, that's that's where it was at. The defense uh, for Penn State, three sacks, five tackles for loss. I swear, as an Iowa fan, it felt even worse than that. Um, switching over to Iowa, you know, here's the thing. At the beginning of the game, so how this timed out, uh, Wife was away. Um, I had the boys with me, grilled us some steaks. Um, the steak came out perfectly, a little reverse sear action. Sat down right as the game was starting. I'm eating my perfectly medium rare steak. The game starts out exactly how Iowa wants it to go. First down, move the ball to midfield, pin Penn State deep. Almost get a safety. Penn State has to punt the ball. Iowa has the... Uh, great field position as I'm like finishing up my stake, you know, and and you're like, this is how this game needs to, there was a rain coming down, you know, this is how this game is supposed to start. This is exactly what Kirk Ferentz and Iowa wants. Felt the, right? exact, felt the exact same way. And I think yep. Penn state fans would probably admit they felt the same way. And then a, a just horrible Eric all fumble. That was it, man. 
that that was it the 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 fumble on the punt return that's just fluky stuff and then you as an Iowa fan you just start feeling it's not it's not our night man the refs were not in the mood to to you know help out the Hawkeyes in, in any capacity because those things were happening and here's my issue when things get off schedule there is no answer from Brian Ferentz in this offense it's all got to go how it needs to look or we're screwed. Iowa fans are, in my opinion, like they are overreacting to the degree of which I've barely ever seen on Twitter. We all thought Iowa was going to be three and one at this point. They are three and one. It's, it's an uglier one <laughs> than we wanted. But yet with that being said, Dude, enough. I mean, it it is it is frustrating being an Iowa fan with this offense and knowing, it, like, as an outsider, you give me your thoughts. But it is it is getting harder and harder for me, and I try to be a sane fan to bite my tongue because this is some frustrating shit when Iowa has the ball. Uh it, it's frustrating non Iowa fan because to me, I I had higher expectations for the Iowa offense. And I understand it's there's 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 not a ton of playmakers on the offense. You don't have all these shiny horses like some of these other programs do. But to me, I'm more disappointed in the offensive line. Yeah, like Iowa, to me, going all the way back to when I was a kid growing up, always had offensive lines that could control a game, and they have been nothing close to that these last two years. And I feel like it's regressing this year. Now that that's a good Penn State defensive front, so don't want to totally. Crap it's not the just the line there, but that was. Yeah. So it's not just a good Penn state defensive front. It's, it might be elite. Um, I put too much weight in. I mean, I picked, I predicted Penn state to win the game. I never once was going to predict Penn state to not win the game. I thought it would be closer. I thought Iowa would oh, I agree. one drive, get a couple field goals type of deal. Um, um, uh, and, but, but uh, the O line deserves, fire don't get me wrong but man i am telling you when they have zero threat of the quarterback running the ball because cade's got the bum leg i don't know if you saw but there was one time where cade booted he he was running like a 6-2 like he was hobbling and he still got 15 yards because the defense wasn't even remotely considering that a a, a threat so when you can play that downhill as a front seven, I'm telling you, it puts that much uh, uh, stress on your O line, which of course puts stress on on the entire offense. I, I'm not trying to like, I don't mean this as a uh, a defense of Brian Ferentz because this is all his thing that he fits together. I'm just saying that's what I see, and, and it would be tough for any play caller. But in the end, it's got Brian Ferentz's signature on it. Until it looks better, he's he deserves the heat. I don't know what to yep. say. No, it, there's there's not a whole lot else to say. When we we have touched on all these points. Yeah, we nobody have. is disagreeing with anything that any that any of us are saying. At at some point, it's poop or get off the pot. You either make a change or you you live with what you're doing here. And to me, it feels like they're they're content yeah. with living with what they're doing uh, for the rest of the season, anyways. And I, I just want to say, like the, the KF slander drives me nuts, um, and it comes from Iowa fans too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, his biggest blind spot is his affection for his son. I, you know, like, I, I don't know what to say. It seems to be that's what it is. And his commitment to just not making changes in season. He's never liked to do that with any of his coordinators. So that's that's part of it. But it's just getting harder and harder to defend this situation. Better or uh, better chances against wor- worse defenses coming up. But it needs to look better fast. Otherwise, Iowa fans are just going to get more. I got, I got two more, more points I got to hit on okay. here. One, Penn State fans are on the mountaintop right now, and this this Penn State team deserves all that praise. I want to take Nittany Lions fans as a person who has been to that said mountaintop and crushed myself. Just slow down a little bit. This is a long season. Yeah, Don't start talking about playoffs and national titles yet. Worry about your Big Ten season because there is some teams on your schedule here that if you get caught looking to the future, will knock you off. Yes. So you and elite and all the levels, 
but you have to prepare every week and mentally get yourself to that point where you're looking at every single game is the same. Don't get looking ahead. And that is great. That is a great piece of advice. And what I would say is I probably question that and maybe question James Franklin to a certain degree. What I thought Iowa was going to get was a little bit different version of the Penn State that played in Illinois. That was not the Penn State Iowa played on Saturday night. That was a Penn State that played with its hair on fire. If that Penn State plays pretty much every game, they could reach the mountaintop that, that you're talking about. But your point is valid. You Saying you're going to do it and actually showing up and do it are, are two different things. So I'm, I'm with you there. But I tell you what, but I tell you what, they – they can do it. I mean, they're, they're, they they okay. have looked like the most impressive team in the Big Ten I, from week one to now thus far. I I think that is very fair. And because and of my that, last point, and oh, I oh, would hate myself if, oh. I, if I didn't hit this last point, I would hate myself for it because this is the Big Ten and we love punting. Tory Taylor is a god. <laughs> Iowa fans know this. Seven punts, 366 yards, a 52-yard average. And I believe four or five of those were down inside the yeah. 20 as a punting fan. Tory Taylor is a god, and I was going to miss him whenever he does right off into the sunset. And 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 then the average doesn't even tell the whole story because how many of those were inside the not just inside the ten, they're inside the four. I mean, it he was doing everything he could. Just an avid punting fan in the Big Ten, so I had to I had to touch. Atta boy, I'm proud of you, man. I appreciate it. Big with Kurt smiling end, somewhere. Somewhere with the win, Penn State moves to a dominant four and zero. With the loss, Iowa falls to three and one. More games in the evening. Yikes. This is our second candidate for uninspiring effort of the night. Indiana 29, Akron 27 in four overtimes. The Hoosiers with 282 yards of total offense to the Zips, 474. I felt like we were correct on Illinois, but didn't get the, the you know, the gamble play. Everybody was wrong here. What the H Indiana, like, I know you got the win. Congratulations, but that does not fold well for what the rest of the season is going to be. I feel like Tommy Allen is they're rusting, you know, on, on a on a splitting edge right now. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know that this had happened last night. It was this morning that I realized what had happened because you know the the two games that were going on at the same time, I thought it's fully hard. in my head. I'm like, oh, that Indiana, they'll win 28-3, something like that. What the hell? The th- the part of this Indiana team that we were so high on was the defense. Then you give up 470 yards to Akron. And, and like, like Taven Jackson was not just accurate. so out of character. So out of character. And what I what I'm trying to get at is like Taven Jackson wasn't necessarily accurate, like 11 to 26, 190 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Cam Kemper had a great day, four catches, 103 yards. Christian Turner, 13 carries, 67 yards, 5.2 yard average. Seemed like it was working, but but the sacks and the other ways that like the offensive coordinating in this game only rivaled the question marks that you would have on the other side of like I it was a poorly managed game for Indiana and you sit there and think they lose that game does Tom Allen get fired you know today like it, it's so it's it, not out of the question it's not like. Tommy Allen's got to be thinking his lucky stars, but I just, I, I had so much more confidence with Indiana in the 24 to nothing loss to Ohio state than you do in the two point win here. That's just how college football works. I don't even know what to say, Jordan. This is not what I was expecting. What I thought about Indiana is not what I think anymore. We, I guess we just have to see how this plays out for the Hoosiers. Yeah, I'm very interested because you look at their remaining schedule and I, I went into it thinking, okay, get by this Akron team. This is an Indiana team that could surprise one of these teams that's in front of it. And then after this performance, you're like, man, there's not very, very many winnable games left in the schedule if this is what Correct. we're going to see. Correct. It's it's so mind-numbing. Maybe it's a one-off. Maybe this is a performance where they caught themselves looking ahead a little bit to a Maryland team coming in or going to could Maryland. Be. But Could be. I don't know. If we see more performances like this, it might be it's short-lived be for Tommy Allen and Bloomington. With the win, though, Indiana moves to 2-2. Two and two. The one thing I would add is, like, kind of comparing the Indiana and Illinois efforts, my thought process was the G5 teams they were playing had probably hit the point of the season where they're just like, eh, let's just get into our own G5 conference games. 
maybe it was the opposite where the P5 team was like, eh, our yeah, last G5 yeah. team before we get to conference. And that's we have to hope that's what it is. We have to yeah. hope that was the mindset and that Indiana yeah. can turn back to what they were because that was an uninspiring performance. Next game up. Oof. Remember the the scene in the dark night where Heath Ledger's Joker was like, and here we go. And, you know, and everything explodes. Northwestern 37, Minnesota 34, the Wildcats with 492 yards of total offense to the Gophers 397. But the Gophers went into the fourth quarter up by three touchdowns. Let Northwestern come all the way back, force overtime, kick a field goal in the first overtime, and then Northwestern draws up draws up just a baller play. First possession, scores a touchdown. That's it. That's all she wrote. Holy shit. I, I did not I, see this coming. Yeah, because I, I was kind of – this was like on the third screen in this night slate, and I saw Minnesota early on kind of take control. I'm like, okay, what I expected – Gophers are going to roll through this game. Yep. And then all of a sudden they look over and it's like, huh? Right. What I mean, happened? And it's this, just like, there is a, I guarantee there's a number of big 10 fans that, I mean, it's getting late. You know, you got kids like me and Jordan, you can't stay up as late as you used to be able to. They saw this score. Maybe it was Minnesota by three touchdowns, maybe two touchdowns, probably never even check back in to see, to see what I wasn't was going expecting on. to. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, holy buckets. Um well, let's start with with Minnesota. Um their I their fans might be the number one most angry football fans right now. And they've they've got reason to you can't blow a lead like that. No, absolutely not. Hey, maybe this is just a Ryan Field thing. Maybe nobody goes into Evanston and just gets a win like that. Because now the Wildcats are 2-0 at home now. Right. But, yeah, and, um, Minnesota, like, I saw people calling for PJ's job after this. Right. That's, that's not something that's crazy to say after oh, what happened there. Really? Okay. I mean, oh. it, it, I mean. Okay, let me let me back that up. Okay, it's crazy. PJ doesn't get he's not gonna get fired and he shouldn't get fired. But I understand the outrage because a game like this, where you were in that bigger control and you are the far superior team by what you were doing, to have that happen it's has crazy. to say something about you as a coach. I'm not gonna call him out by first and last name, but my buddy Ryan uh sent me a text earlier this morning. Here are the 10 reasons why I'm done. <laughs> with pj flat like and it was the 10 a, go for commandments like <laughs> but 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 opposite um and there's some gopher fans that i saw like i guess i'm the only one that's still on the you know supports pj i mean there was a that sound you heard whooshing sound around 10 o'clock last night was gopher fans all around the metro here jumping off the boat the bandwagon whatever you want to say um i mean team rushing though 42 carries 244 yards, a 5.8 yard average. It is mind boggling to me that you can be having that much success running the ball, be up by three touchdowns and figure out a way to lose a game. They're going to have to do like a 30 for 30 on how this went down. And that's, that's where this game gets even more mind boggling to me because the offense looked good. It did. Did what you wanted it to do. It was the defense that just time after time after time, wide receiver running open, and busted play. I I was I was in Shocked. awe when I went back because I rewatched it this morning. I'm like, I couldn't believe that that was a Joe Rossi defense. I well, could not believe it. And I'll say what this is is if it seems pretty obvious now that if Minnesota is going against a team that has to run the ball to have success, aka Iowa, they're going to look good. But if you have a downfield passing attack, there you 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 have the ability to torch Minnesota. I mean. It's out there now. Like Joe Rossi is going to have to figure out a way to adjust because we know that's how defenses are going to attack them. Speaking of attacking, Ben Bryant, 33 of 49, 396 yards, four touchdowns with Bryce Kurtz, 10 catches, 215 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, Eisman candidates of the week. This is more passing success Northwestern fans have seen, I swear, if you totaled up the last e- two or three years. Ever? 
Ever? I mean, how? When? When? When's the last time we saw 390 yards from a Northwestern team? Because they couldn't really run the ball. 29 carries, 92 yards. It's not bad. 3.2 yard average. But oh my gosh, like that! I I I am stunned. Like I I had to go back and watch how it went down because again, it was over. I looked up the stats. I'm like, okay, Minnesota's just running the ball down Northwestern's throat. This is just how it's going to go. And, and then, like, when you think about, like, ranking these teams in the power rankings, I I can't just forget that Minnesota dominated them for three quarters. You know, like, that's not a nothing burger. But yet, at the same time, if you can't hold on to that lead and your secondary looks that bad, crazy, man. I, I don't know. Yeah, I know. And, you know, we, we've really – we've spent a lot of this breakdown here talking about what Minnesota did poorly. We, we really need to do, give a little bit more credit to Northwestern yes. because, yes. you know what – that was a hell of a performance in the second half of that game from a team that this guy right here personally said, I and think me. this team is dead. And me. Good on you, Wildcats. That's a hell of a performance. I hope you take that and you build, and let's see some more of this. And if we see some more of it, Northwestern Coach Braun is a yes, name that I David. think we keep there in that spot. David. Because if he can rally this team to maybe get a couple more wins, that might be the guy you need for that program, because that was an inspiring performance on both sides. Maybe it was only for 20 minutes of the game, but you know what? That was that could be something that completely changes the direction of this season if this team is going to get behind him like that. I mean, I just like the guy. Like he just seems You want to root be, for him. Yes, and like takes over a completely he, shitty situation and he's making the best out of it. And he just is the only thing that dude has done is rolled up his sleeves and been honest with his team. Yep. With the media, with the fans, like I love this guy. I, I mean, uh, they threw him to the wolves at Big Ten Media Day with nobody else there. He took all the questions, answered, took all the shit. Good on him. I'm, yep. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna become a little bit of a Wildcats fan the rest of the season if they can keep kind of pulling some stuff off. Like they're this. gonna win a couple more games. I mean, now they, they run out. You could do things on them. You know, like if you still... flat out. I mean, maybe they just flat out decide, okay, we can't run the ball. We'll throw it fifty times a game. That's gonna be Fine. interesting. Yeah. Do it. I mean, what do you got to lose? With the win, yeah. Northwestern moves to two and two with the loss. Minnesota drops to two and two. Two up, two down for the Gophers. And that brings us to the Big Ten game of the week. And boy, was it. Ohio State 17, Notre Dame 14. The Buckeyes with 366 yards of total offense to the Irish 351 for once the stats pretty much line up exactly how kind of the final score did. Um, there was some, there was, I think it was Josh Pate who, who, you know, midweek said, um, uh, Ohio state, Notre Dame, give me your thoughts. And I just said, going to be more of a defensive battle than most people think. I didn't expect this though. I mean, 31 total points in this game. That's, certainly not what I thought this would be Uh, for anybody that was under a rock and missed it. it, Here's, here's how this went. This was an absolute rock fight, fist fight, physical game, which obviously we'll get into with the comments, but I, I I never felt confident one way or the other who was going to win this game. Ohio state had control. Then Notre Dame gets it back. You thought this game was over. But then Ohio State forces to uh, Notre Dame to punt, get the ball back, go down the field, and then chip train them, second, third, fourth, whatever you want to call them, running back. Ballsy call by Ryan Day. Runs the ball in for the game-winning touchdown. That's a, that's one that Ohio State fans are going to are gonna like for a long time. Yeah, that, uh, that last drive after Notre Dame did punt, that Kyle McCord, he was throwing some darts. Yep. They they don't get in that situation without some of those throws. That throw down to the goal line took some schnuts because there was there was three putrid green jerseys around that receiver. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I thought when Travion Henderson busted that big run and he scored, I'm like, okay, I think that might open up the floodgates here. And I think Ohio State might start to pull away with this. Didn't happen. No. More. It's just this game. And it was only you know, that only made it 10 7. Yeah, but, but it just, it just it felt, felt like, like yeah, the momentum totally, totally shifted. Totally agree. It's ironic that 
Ryan Day had the comments that he had and everything with with our boy Lou Holtz because this is a game that Lou Holtz would have been proud of back in the day because right. this was an old school game. Like both these defenses made play after play. It seemed like Notre Dame was going for it on fourth and one every other drive. And then guys like Sonny Styles for Ohio State step up, make huge stop and huge play. I as a football traditionalist, I loved it because I don't need to see the 52 48 games all the time. 17-14, I'm okay with that. It's just like this where it's yeah. not just sloppy, all these offenses are shit. No, it's good defense. I'm, I like it. That I was, the, This was a very aesthetically pleasing game for me outside of the uniforms. Well, that and the internal struggle for, for uh, Jordan. Oh, I wanted to throw the up game, time. It's the <laughs> game you absolutely love with the two, two of the three programs that you hate the most, so that's pretty funny. I want to say, though, number one, I just find – the Ryan Day chewing on 86-year-old Lou Holtz's ass. I just think it's fucking, I just think it's freaking hilarious, man. I don't know how I'm supposed to think. I I just think it's like, like, because there's this thing where we're not supposed to attack 86-year-old men, you know? Like they interviewed Lou Holtz. He looks like a raisin now, man. He's so shriveled into the t- but on really top does. of it, I have disliked Lou Holtz my entire life. So somebody chewing on Lou Holtz, i it, it don't offend me. I'll tell you that much. That guy has driven me nuts forever and i do want to say the mud that is sling ohio state's way is they can't win these games they can't hang in a physical battle this was as physical of a football team as i have seen and they went toe to toe i have to think if i'm a buckeye fan i'm ecstatic to know that my team can probably win in a shootout but can also win in this type of game too i don't know it's a uh, you got to be happy if you're a Buckeye fan. I, I guess I just keep saying it's that. not a win that the Buckeyes have seen. It's not a, a a win, a fashion in which the Buckeyes right. have seen a win in a very long time. You're used to seeing the the world famous Ohio State offense. It wasn't that. It was no. just it was a, an offense that was struggling and, against a good defense and a defense that kept them in the game. And here's what's crazy, Jordan: zero sacks and only two TFLs. They just got him off the field. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it, it was just such good defense that Notre Dame had to fight just to get to third and four. And then they couldn't complete a pass or pick up the first down and they punted. That's it. That was the story of the game. It was yep. incredible. Travion Henderson, 14 carries, 104 yards, that 61 yard touchdown, uh, double E leading receiver, seven catches, 96 yards. I mean, Kyle McCord wound up having a stat line that fits this game, 27, 21 of 37, 240 yards, no touchdowns, but no picks. Sam Hartman, 17 to 25, 175 yards, a touchdown, no picks. He had to fight for everything he got. Um, they uh, uh, Notre Dame was able to rush for 176 yards on a 4.5-yard average, but they had to carry the ball almost 40 times to get there. Um, Marvin Harrison, hopefully he's okay. He got rolled up on, on that long Travion Henderson, but – in the in the end, it was the thriller that we thought. Um, I was wrong. I I got the spread, you know, correct, but not not the not the straight up pick because I I would have thought if you would have told me the final score of this game was seventeen to fourteen, I would have been even more confident that Notre Dame got it. So somewhat of the style I thought, but in the end, Ohio State takes it home, and that's how she wrote. You know if. In, in in a college football season, you, you've got to win games in different ways. And if this is something that Ohio State can put on their belt going forward, that just makes the rest of their season even more possible to get the goals they want. They yep. Like you said earlier, they've proven now they can get in the mud and win a game when all the horses aren't running. And if I'm a Buckeye fan, this whole they were lucky to pull that out, bullshit. Uh, when you stay in the game, the whole game, and it you're the team that went down the field on the final drive to make it happen, that's you going to get the win. I ain't apologizing for anything. Now, I, I will mention, though, the, the one thing. Here comes the Michigan. Mar- Marcus Freeman, what are you doing? Oh, shit. I almost Ten forgot. player? Yes. How? Oh, and it looked boy. like the player that was missing was right where they ran. It looked oh, like boy. it was a defensive end that was missing. And then did you see his post-game comment? Okay. And by the way, for people who last know, two plays. Notre Dame had 10 guys on defense on the field the last two plays of the game, which was the completion down to, or maybe it was, they had two plays at the goal line, correct? I can't they, remember. They, they 
caught the ball down to goal line. They had to spike it to stop the clock. Oh, okay. So and that's it was, where they ran it in. So it, okay. So it was essentially three if you count the spike that they only had the ten guys yes. out there. And but then, did yeah, you see that, Freeman's comment on no, why they didn't? He, they, he said we didn't want to rush anybody on the field to, for we were afraid we were going to get a penalty. You were oh, afraid boy. you were going to lose the half of yard. But oh, they, they were on the one. That's the best he could come up with. Get a play. What the hell? I mean, and uh, it, oh my god. Yeah. That to me, if I'm a Notre Dame fan, that's the most frustrating thing is your team played that game in that spot. You could have won the game, and that that one player could be the difference in that. Oh man, that'd be mad. As a, Notre Dame fan. as a Michigan fan, it's hilarious. Yeah, but that is a pain. But on the Buckeyes, loss. you got to find a way to win in college football, and they found a way to win, and they moved to four and oh. All right, big man, you go ahead and give us our weekly Eisman candidates. Ooh, we got we had quite a few to go through this week. It seemed like there was a lot of guys that really stepped up and had performances. So we have quite a few honorable mentions, and then there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a controversy. I think we could say at the end for who we picked. But here's a few guys we got. So Mikey Sanger still from Michigan, not a huge stat line, but the pick six that really put that game away. That's put him on the list there. Henrik Harburg, Nebraska. We said it all there. He seems like he is Wally Pipped. Jeff Sims now, and he is now the guy there, 19 for 175 and a touchdown, another 107 through the air and a touchdown. My guy, Isaiah Williams, we mentioned it, been wanting to see him, eight catches, 120 yards, great to see it. Chop Robinson, don't go look at the box score. Don't go look at the box score because it's not sexy. Watch the highlight tape. Holy cow. That man was in every play on every uh, all 33 snaps. It seemed like he was in on those plays. Iowa fans uh, are lucky he didn't chop McNamara in half because no he kidding. was just insane. Uh, seems like this guy is just being mentioned every week. Darius Taylor, 31 carries, 198 yards, two touchdowns. But at the end of the day, we had a three-way, technically two-way tie for what we thought was this week's Eisman. So we went with the combination of Ben Bryant and Bryce Kurtz from Northwestern, the 396 yards, four touchdowns, 215 yards, two touchdowns. And Penn State's Drew Aller. Aller's stat line wasn't as sexy, but as we talked about, the way he managed the game and the four touchdowns and how he just played out that game, it was deserving. So we gave it that combination of the the Bryant's Kurtz Law Firm and Drew <laughs> Aller. Those are your weekly Eismans this week. Brian Kurtz probably wind up being lawyers uh, when it's all said and done. Um, I think and, I mean, it just seems fitting. Yeah, yeah, it does seem fitting. Uh, by the way, did you know we are two for two with who we've picked for the weekly Eisman has been the actual Big Ten player? Okay, so, so I, I saw that Manunga yeah. was last week, and I was yep. like, that's right. They were listening to the pod. I know they Absolutely. were. Absolutely. Uh, we're throwing out – we're casting out a big net <laughs> for this one, so my guess is we're going to get one. Oh, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they don't have – co-winners for the Big Ten uh, conference himself. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all. All right, lastly, quickly, uh, my week four power rankings, top three, still has not changed. Number one, Michigan. Number two, Penn State. Number three, Ohio State. Everybody has got an argument on who could be one, and I'm listening to all three. Michigan deserves number one because they're 4-0. They've been dominant, and they're the two-time defending champs. Knock them off when you beat them. So I get Michigan fans. Penn State, as you've even said yourself, has looked the most dominant. I can totally understand why you would put them number one. Ohio State now easily has the best win of those other of out of those three teams. I get it. Any one of those, I just started at one, two, three for these like that, so I kept them there. The next one, I have now two lines down, so we're basically into tier three, of which I have the Maryland Terrapins at four all by themselves. They're the only other 4-0 team in the conference. Another tier down at five, six, and seven. This is where you start mixing the bag. Each one of these teams is three and one. Number five, Wisconsin. Number six, Rutgers. And number seven, Iowa. I did. I feel like they deserve to be in their tier because they've got a winning record. Okay, I think that should still matter. And then the last tier down is essentially the fifth tier. Nebraska, eight. Illinois, nine. Michigan State, 10. Indiana, 11. Dude, I don't know. Northwestern, 12. Okay, I've moved them up. Minnesota down to 13. They just blew a three-point lead to, to, to Northwestern. Purdue has to be last for me. They're the only one in three team, and the way they're turning the ball over and can't stop anybody. Um, Nebraska fans, of course, got mad at me for having the audacity to have Nebraska at eight and Iowa at seven. I'm sorry, Nebraska, but like right now, you got beat by 
Colorado by what three touchdowns. Colorado got absolutely blasted yesterday by Oregon. And I believe Penn State would do the exact same thing to Colorado, right? And you lost to that Colorado team. And your two wins are against NIU and uh, LaTeX. Like, you're going to have to start stacking more impressive wins until you can, like, move up. But, like, Illinois, Michigan State, Indiana, dude, I I don't know. Like, that's – I don't know. It, people can do their rankings, and I'll be like, yep, that looks good to me. So the only thing that I thought about when I saw your rankings this okay. week is don't have any quarrels with the order. I think there's a defense for every single spot that you have. The one thing I think I would do is I would draw the line – after Rutgers above Iowa for that mm. little gap. I think I think Wisconsin and Rutgers are in their own tier right now. Until Iowa can show me something on the offensive side of the ball to be a little bit more complimentary, I think there's a little gap there because we saw both Wisconsin and Rutgers be able to have at least some continuity on both yeah. sides. Rutgers' offense has looked a little bit better. Wisconsin's defense has looked a little bit better. Iowa, to me, I think that one piece, if they show a little bit of that offense, then I think they're in that category. But that's the only thing I would do is just draw that line there. Say that these and two I teams- and I would and I moved Iowa down three spots. Here's my thing: three and one record, power five win on the road. I know Iowa State is not, but like every other thing is even with those teams. The two wins for most of those teams have come have come over G five sisters of the poor type of. I always got that differentiating factor, which is a road P5 team. Um, Iowa State beat Oklahoma State. They're a two-and-two team now. That's the differentiator but for me. Yep. Hey, like I said, I don't have any argument yep. with the order. That was my only thought. Okay. Well, that was kind of cathartic for me. I know you you weren't looking for any of that. Your, your team's rolling around just fine. Um, that's something I've learned doing the podcast is uh, just talking it out helps a little bit. Um with that being said, I expect our numbers to be down <laughs> for this podcast when literally half or more of the teams don't even want to to hear about college football anymore. I tweeted on Saturday night, the sport is not for the faint of heart. Um, it's tough. Like when it's when it's good, it's great, but when it's bad, holy cow. But the sun did come up today, Big Ten fans. You know, it's College football's a roller coaster. You got to get on the ride, expecting the highs and the lows, and you just got to kind of roll with it. Uh, no, no team this season has been perfect. No, sure, the records might be perfect, but none of these teams are perfect. Yeah. So ride the wave, enjoy the fun. We don't only have so many weeks left. You got to enjoy it while you got it. I agree. Um, a third of the way through, officially now, tear in the eye. Um, and to you, I kind of got on Nebraska just a minute ago. I would use them as an example. I mean. 0-2, they were tearing at each other's throats. They wanted the entire offensive staff, you know, murdered in the street. You win two more games, even if it's over G5 teams, as go back to the quote at the beginning of the podcast from Darren the American, winning is the ultimate deodorant. So if you're one of these teams that lost last weekend, I promise you, if you're able to win the next game or two, you're going to feel a lot better and the season will be back on for you. If they win the next game, I'm not going to feel a whole lot better. Well, no, not, not Nebraska necessarily. I'm talking some other fan bases. All right, let's get out of here. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.